Good day, everybody. This is Brandon with 238 Media. I just wanted to make sure I took some time to let you know about this great tool that helps me to keep my podcast moving at a really good rate of production. This tool is Anchor by Spotify, and it is probably one of the easiest ways to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other options. It's everything you need in one place to make a podcast. And best of all, it is 100% free. So, hey, let me know what you think. And as always, it's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm so glad that you found your time to be able to spend with us as we look to edify our understanding as the people of God, uh, definitely from an apostolic Pentecostal perspective. And for that reason, we're going to be looking into uh, a writing that some of us may have a, a, a familiar past with. But nine times out of 10, when you're dealing with someone who is antagonistic to a oneness position, the writing that is most commonly called against praxis is definitely going to come up as a proof that uh, the church has historically always been against what Adolf von Harnick has called modalistic monarcharianism. Uh, but we're going to read into Tertullian uh, because I want you to be prepared for the things that are going to be said against those of like precious faith. And as we're going through this, we're going to make a video for every chapter so that despite whatever you may have going on, you'll have enough time to review it. And uh, please let me know what you think. Please share, rate, subscribe, hit that subscribe button. Don't don't wait. Hit it right there. Let somebody know we got an apostolic historical commentary going on. And so we're going to read through it. And I'm going, of course, I'm going to give my commentary. And this is the beginning of Against Praxis in which he defends in all essential points the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. And that wasn't praxis. I believe that was just the writer that was making it apparent what we're going to talk about. So against praxis, chapter one, Satan's wiles against the truth, how they take the form of the praxian heresy, account of the publication of this heresy. And one thing you'll notice with praxis, he has very long chapter uh, titles and intros. I mean, he, 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 Ink is not an uh, it's not an expense in his mind. So let's begin. In various ways has the devil rivaled and resisted the truth. Sometimes his aim has been to destroy the truth by defending it. And to that, I, I agree. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, various other cult groups, Calvinism. Uh, this has been the way that I believe the enemy has. Uh, how can you say promulgated various false doctrines by? Uh, making it appear to be apostolic. Uh, and he maintains that this praxis, of course, the almighty creator of the world in order that out of this doctrine of the unity, he may fabricate a heresy. So he is really making it clear that praxis is the father of this theological uh, system. He says that the father himself came down into the virgin, was himself born of her, himself suffered, Indeed was himself, Jesus Christ. Here the old serpent has fallen out with himself. Since when he tempted Christ after John's baptism, he approached him as the son of God. 
surely imitating that God had a son, even on the testimony of the very scriptures out of which he was at the moment foregoing his temptation. If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Again, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, uh, referring no doubt uh, to the father. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up that thou may not hurt thy foot against the stone. Or perhaps after all, he was only reproaching the gospels, which lie, saying, in fact, away with Matthew, away with Luke. Why heed their words? In spite of them, I declared that it was God himself that I approached. It was the almighty himself that I attempted face to face. Now notice, now, I just want you to, I just want you to hear this because most Trinitarians today, at least the ones who I know that are well read, will have no apprehension in affirming that Jesus is the almighty God, Revelation 1 and 8. But the reason I think Praxius talks like this is because early or proto-Trinitarianism was subordinationist in nature, right? It is, I guess, can you say Orthodox Trinitarianism that the Son was the Almighty God in flesh. Now, of course, in their mind, the second person of the Godhead, but nonetheless, the Almighty God revealed in flesh. Now, this is interesting that I attempted face to face, and it was for no other purpose than to tempt him that I approached him. If on the contrary, if it had been only the Son of God, most likely I should have never condescended to deal with him. However, he himself a liar from the beginning, which I agree with, the devil is a liar, and whatever man his instigates in his own way, as for instance, praxis. So I just want you to notice, because chapter one is very nice in comparison to how this is going to evolve, because Tertullian is what we call in the South, uh, nice nasty. <laughs> for he was the first to import into Rome from Asia this kind of hered heretical pravity. Now, I'm sure that word for pravity there is really meant to be depravity or depravity. Uh, a man in other respects of restless disposition and above all inflicted with the pride of confessorship simply and solely because he had to bear for a short time the annoyance of a prison on which occasion, even if he had given his body to be burned, it would have been profit him nothing. Now, again, we don't really know who Praxis is. Uh, it's not all the way certain that Praxis was a real person, but could have been a pseudonym given to uh, a, a lot of people kind of think it could have been the Bishop of Rome, which is kind of what my opinion is, because a lot of people, especially some of your uh, what I, I was going to say, Trinitarian apologists, but I was <laughs> your, your Trinitarian mercenaries. Uh, <laughs> they they would have you believe that the Trinity is always in this established doctrine, but Rome was a hotbed for one God uh, modalism. Uh, that it was in Rome that they even uh, had a school devoted to teaching the doctrine of oneness, of what we would call today as oneness. Uh, Pope Zephyrinus, uh, uh, Calcitus, uh, uh, Hipp Hippolytus even testifies that Rome uh, was a place that modalism thrived and prospered. So I'm not sure if uh, he was the first to import it. And this is the danger when you're trying to reconstruct the ideas of a person whose records were destroyed because it's kind of hard to know of certainty if what is being said is actually reflecting what he believed in totality. It isn't just a dishonest polemic of sorts. And so we're going to go on here for after the Bishop of Rome had acknowledged the prophetic gifts of Montanus. And again, he's making reference to the Montanus movement, uh, 
Prisca and Maximilian, in consequence of the acknowledgement, had bestowed his peace on the churches of Asia and Phrygia. He impudently urging false accusation against the prophets themselves in this church. Churches. Now, this is interesting because we know that one of the big, the first movements that caused a lot of issues, can you say, in the early church was Montanism. Montanism, they were what we would consider a very charismatic group, which the reason I believe they were very charismatic because the apostles were very charismatic. Uh, notice. It is not up for debate that the gifts have ceased. So cessationalism, and I'm sorry, it's a lie of the devil. And you can tell them I said it. Uh, this wasn't being argued. Well, we know that the gifts aren't real because, but what Tertullian doesn't like, because it's important to remember, Tertullian is going to later join uh, the modernist movement. Uh, this is why Trinitarians will kind of mention him real briefly for giving us the, I think is it the Latin Trinitus, but they don't really go too far because he eventually left uh, what we consider Trinitarianism, or at least proto-Trinitarianism and went to the Montanists. And the reason uh, he liked the Montanists so much is because they were very uh, devout. They had a strong emphasis on holiness and separation, which is apostolic. And when you even look at Tertullian's writing on the instructor and uh, the adornment for women, you'll think you're reading a UPCI uh, modesty book or something. I mean, it's it's very down the line because this is what the apostles themselves teach. But that's another video. And so he doesn't like Tertullian because the modernist movement, they had issues with false prophecy uh, and saying things at times that weren't true. And just like with any oneness teacher, we believe in the gifts of the spirit, but we call out the nonsense. So obviously, whoever this Praxis guy was, he was aggressively against the Montanist movement for those reasons. So this could be in one way that spurred him to kind of pick this up because we know Tertullian, again, he had a strong uh, preference for the Montanist, Montanist movement. And so whatever took place, his influence was so strong that it caused the Pope in Rome to reject their prophetic ministry. Maybe after at one time, he kind of gave them some accommodation or uh, somewhat, you know, recognition positively. But whoever this Praxis guy was, he seemingly wasn't having it. And history will let us know it probably was for good reason that he had some other stuff going on. And this is even proven. It says that this Praxis and insisting on the authority of the bishop's predecessors in the see. Now, I think the reason that he is doing this because the Montanist movement, they had a way of, and again, there's a lot of speculation on what they believe. Uh, so you really can't ascertain what they're saying all the way sometimes. So some would say that these guys would prophesy in ways to make one think that they were still adding to the canon of inspired scripture. And so when he says, and insisting on the authority of the bishop's predecessors in the sea, I kind of think he's probably talking about the, whatever the argument was that this guy made, uh, Praxius, he probably did it on the authority of the apostles or someone who was close to them. In whatever case, he compelled him to recall the Pacific letter which he had issued, and that's the Pope, as well as to desist from his purpose of acknowledging the said gifts. And, 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 and just look just look at the nastiness of Tertullian. By this, Praxis did a twofold service for the devil at Rome. He drove away prophecy, and he brought in heresy. He put to flight the paraclete, and he crucified the father. I'll tell you this, if it's anybody you don't want to be in a smear campaign with, I mean, this, this Tertullian knows how to word it. 
Praxis's tares had been moreover sown and had produced their fruit here also, while many were asleep in their simplicity of doctrine. Now, I wonder who this many were, because we're going to find on later on that he's going to say that the simple indeed, uh, who always constitute the majority of believers, uh, kind of they are they scoff at the dispensation of the uh, three and one. I want to see about the majority of people where Praxis uh, really got his biggest following. Indeed, Praxis had deliberately resumed his old true faith teaching it after his renunciation of error. Apparently, based on what he's saying, there was a point maybe with confrontation that maybe Praxis balled up and he um, he recanted. Now, in looking at this, uh, I believe there was a time where, and if I'm, is either two people I think this could be. And if you would go and, oh, man, I wish I had the uh, writings of uh, Adolphon Harnick on hand. Uh, was it Noatus who they say? Because I believe Noatus was, uh, yeah, I wonder was it Noatus who they got to recant from his doctrine at a certain time. Uh, then he went back and picked it up as a bit. I really think Praxius is really a just a code name for Noatus, in my opinion. Uh, the carly mind in whose society the transaction then took place afterwards, nothing was heard of him. We indeed on our part subsequently withdrew from the carnally minded on our acknowledgement and maintenance of the paraclete. But the tares of praxis had then everywhere shaken out of their seed, which having laid hid for some while with its vitality concealed under a mask has now broken out with fresh life. Notice the word usage mask. And, you know, um, uh, this is something uh, that's usually used to describe modalism that you have the father, uh, taking on his mass and son. So he, he, he's setting it up, but again, shall it be rooted up if the Lord will even now, but if not now in the day when all bundles of tears should be gathered together and along with every other stumbling block shall be burnt up with unquenchable fire. So Tertullian makes it very clear. He believes praxis is going to hell. He doesn't, he doesn't bite his tongue. He's straightforward about it. This man ain't say uh, from his viewpoint. So one of the things we can gather from ch uh, chapter one that is probably no Atis, uh, who he's referring to under this pseudonym. And you have to remember the climate in the Church of Rome is still very political because I believe it is the bishop, uh, was it Calcitus, who was a modalist, but he was the one who uh, sent out, uh, he exiled, was it uh, Sabalius and uh, what was the other gentleman's name? I can't think of his name. Oh. Goodness gracious life. I don't want to say Athanasius. I'm not definitely gonna be Athanasius. But he was a he what Calcitus did was just trying to get he was trying to find a middle ground for the more moderates of both sides of the issue. Because what you'll notice, uh I always ask a lot of my Trinitarian apologetic friends, where's the first document that's condemning modalism as a doctrine? Because Sertillian is not an official church spokesman. So this is his opinion. It's like taking somebody's angry text messages and saying this is evidence that the church was against our modalism to the contrary. So, hey, remember, let somebody know that we're having an apostolic Pentecost of oneness, uh, Jesus name, modalistic, uh, sequential, uh, simultaneous uh, Bible study. Uh, let them know, hey, there's a God that loves them and he wants to have a relationship with them. It's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. The Lord bless you in Jesus name.